Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada you don't take yada yada in life don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide this episode is brought to you by alienware during dell tech fest score game-changing innovations with limited time deals on select next-gen alienware gaming tech new dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the alienware m18 laptop powered by an intel core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals liquid cooling three-dimensional audio with dolby atmos and impressive overclocking potential your dream setup amazing prices and free shipping await you for a limited time only at alienware deals. That's alienware.com slash deals. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccant. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Uh, suspected serial killer Benjamin Franklin <laughs> once famously wrote, in this world, nothing is certain except for death and taxes. And it's, it's such an interesting thought exercise to imagine what he or truly anybody from the 1700s would think about the modern day. Like in Benji Frank's example, I personally think the guy would have loved Twitter and probably Tinder too. Probably like things probably even so. more specific than Tinder, you know? He might have, he might have gone grinder occasionally, you know? I think he, I can he see is a, an equal opportunity um, romantic. I, I can imagine him... A, adding an addendum just for the purposes of this episode uh, to be like, and glass jars. <laughs> or, <you know. laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's, it's because it's easy for us to imagine what someone from the 1700s would find impressive in the modern day, you know, things like 
airplanes or electric lights or space shuttles or the fact that some people can survive diseases that used to be a death sentence. But it's also easy to forget the commonplace stuff that would absolutely, like, destroy their brain for a few days. And one of those big things is plastic. We live in the age of plastic. It's all around us. If he was confronted with this, Ben Franklin might have to revise that quote and say, nothing is certain other than death, taxes, and I guess plastic now. We did an episode on a real conspiracy surrounding recycling, and it's about microplastics. Please check it out. That's where you'll learn a lot of the basics of plastics history and its composition, but there's still a ton of stuff they don't want you to know about plastic. Billions of tons, actually. And today we're taking a slightly more meditative approach and we're asking a question that many of our fellow conspiracy realists have probably thought about, which is this. What would the world be like without this stuff? Could we as a global civilization, ever turn back the clock and live in a world without plastic, then perhaps is it something that we would actually want to do? Well, here are the facts. <laughs> it's uh, We've got a lot of numbers here, but we're going to try to make sure they're not the kind of numbers that make your eyes glaze over. Yeah, it's because plastic is absolutely everywhere. I mean, just look around your workspace or your bedroom or your house anywhere. I mean, right in front of my eyes is like a ring light that's uh, made of plastic, the lens part that the light filters through, this webcam that we're uh, broadcasting into made of plastic, you know, all of the pieces uh, that make up the case of my monitor, uh, any of our monitors, plastic. Inside the guts of the thing, so many plastics, the printed circuit boards that electronics are mounted on, made of plastic um, or various, you know, types of plastic. There, there, there are obviously several categories, uh, but the fact is it is absolutely everywhere. And it's an incredible miracle of innovation. Uh, it's lightweight. It's easy to manufacture. You can shape it into just about anything and it's sturdy. Um, ben, you point out that it's up there with say the wheel or, you know, the, the basic tools that we use are things like a pulley or a lever, you know, important inv innovations that allowed us to kind of step outside of our limitations as human beings. I, I want to jump into the six basic tools real fast. Uh, I'm off the top of my head without looking at the list. Ooh, uh, hammer. Hammer is one. Uh, bottle opener. It's got to be number two. <laughs> mm -hmm. Instant pot. Can opener. <laughs> yeah. Ice, ice pick. Mm -hmm. Or some sort of stabbing tool, I imagine, right? Maybe. Uh, <laughs> I think we're talking. I, I know we're not talking about those things. I'm being jokey. Uh, sorry about that, guys. What? Don't apologize. Don't ever apologize for a good joke. No joke left behind. Hashtag it. Tweet it. Uh, it's it's true that uh, it's easy for us to underestimate the profound impact of plastic in all its various forms and genres. I mean, I, I don't think some people disagree with me, but I don't think it's exaggerating to say that in terms of importance to civilization both positive and negative, plastic might be up there with fire. It might be up there with the time somebody figured out how to create fire. But it also begs the question, like all the things that we're describing, all of these things that I'm looking at in my room and, and, and rattling off, are these things that we necessarily need? I mean, if you look back to, you know, Bakelite, the earliest uh, version of plastic, it was kind of designed to make sort of chintzy crap that we could be sold. 
and, and convinced that we needed it. Uh, it is very much a product of like the material age, you know, the, the materialistic age that we need to acquire all this stuff. And certainly the idea of computers and the plastics that are used and things like a monitor. I mean, it'd be, certainly be hard pressed to turn back the clock and live without those things. But, you know, when you're talking about the, the basic simple machines, things like a screw or a wedge, you know, or a plane or a pulley or whatever, these are, I think, much more necessary than plastic. But you can't really put that genie back in the bottle now, can you? Because we're used to it. Yeah, no, not gonna, it's probably not going to happen. And that is the most optimistic way I can phrase that response, unfortunately. The, the most solid reports right now estimate that there is a little north of 8.3 billions of tons of plastic on the planet. Of that 8.3 billion, uh, 6.3 billion of those tons are straight-up trash. It's garbage. No one's going to use it. No one's going to recycle it. No one's going to burn it. Uh, this is, just to give you the image in your mind, folks, this is the equivalent of like 55 million jumbo jets. And uh, if that if that doesn't really bring it home, uh, pull up a picture of Mount Everest and realize that if you stacked all this plastic up in one place, you would easily get a pile literally bigger than the tallest mountain in human experience. Uh, and there's already an insane amount of trash just on that actual mountain itself and from all the would-be, uh, you know, uh, Everest uh, summiters, you know, out mm -hmm. there and like leaving all their, their droppings behind. It's, it's become a real problem. I get an image of that uh, movie Wally with all the trash mountains that exist on the planet uh, at that point in the future. That's what I'm seeing. The three of us recently went to a uh, friend of ours art studio uh, that happens to be situated right next to what is supposedly a recycling dump, I guess, for lack of a better term. Uh, and yet it never seems to get smaller. Um, and there's a reason for that, isn't there? <laughs> Yeah, there is. Uh, the numbers that we just named, if they're not troubling or if they're things you've heard before and it's easy to shake off, think of it this way. This time, five years from now, that may well be referred to as the good old days uh, when, it was, when only 90% of the trash in the world's ocean was some form of plastic. Uh, right now, as we speak, Every second, 160,000 plastic bags are getting used by someone somewhere. That means that each year, just every single calendar year, 5 trillion plastic bags, new ones, are made. And this means, this leads experts to project that pound for pound, by 2050, the weight of the plastic in the oceans alone will outweigh the mass of all the fish. Not hyperbole. Literally all of the fish, they'll weigh less than the trash. Wow. And that's particularly puzzling to my mind when you imagine pla the weight of a plastic bag. Like, think about that. Just picture that scene <laughs> from American Beauty. You know, that, that, that lighter-than-air plastic bag just wafting through the breeze, you know. Um, and and uh, one of the reasons that plastic bags, I mean, I think most people know that plastic bags are not recyclable. Um, it is because in order to recycle a thing, they have to weigh enough for you to actually be able to kind of chop them up into little bits. And can you imagine trying to chase around a gazillion plastic bags in some sort of centrifuge? Like, it just wouldn't, wouldn't work. So plastic bags are like the least recyclable and 
most popular plastic item. Uh, maybe that's not exactly accurate, but that certainly feels like it's up there. Um, it's, it's very troubling with those numbers, you know, especially considering how light they are. Yeah, and let's twist the knife a little bit. You know what kind of show oh, this no. is, folks. That's the optimistic projection, that 2050. What they're really saying is by 2050, it could happen sooner than that. And uh, it's a shame that environmental concerns have been sort of politicized or they've been appropriated for different people's agendas, whatever those agendas may be. But if you look at the numbers, which know no ideology, then you should be concerned. This growth is part of an accelerating pattern. In 1950, the world, the whole shebang, made about 2 million tons of plastic per year. And since then, annual production has increased 200 times, 200x. Uh, So just in 2015, for example, the world was making not 2 million tons, but 381 million tons. Just for comparison, 381 million tons is about the same weight as two-thirds of the entire human population. Well, that's what I was going to ask. I mean, obviously, in part, this this has to be a product of population growth, but not to that degree. How do you go from 2 million tons a year to 380 million tons a year, um, even given an explosion in population? It seems to me that it means that the production and usage of plastic has gone completely unchecked, um, and no one's really thinking about the future at all. Yeah, just not for a long time they weren't, and just works so well for so many things. Uh, we'll we'll explore this too. Uh, we, it should go without saying, but we have to point it out: the plastic game is not distributed equally. The biggest producers of plastic, uh, plastic waste at least, are the wealthy countries. Just because because of consumer culture, because of economic booms. I mean, if you look at the U.S. in 2021, its own agency, the EPA, uh, reports that Americans generate 35.7 million tons of plastic in one year. And as we pointed out in the microplastics episode, uh, studies show that nowadays plastic particles might be inside your body before you're born. Like they might go through your mother and go across the, the, the barrier and get into you while you're in the womb. What long-term effects will that have? People aren't too sure. That's the scary part. And before it sounds like we're dumping on plastic, yes, it's like any other technology, at least until the day we get to AI. Plastic has no moral compass. It's just like a gun. It's just like a, a bop it. Those are two very different examples. It can do wonderful and terrible things depending on how it's used. I've definitely pictured somebody using a boppet as a bludgeoning device. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of a menacing make, toy, actually, if you think about it. It could be psychological warfare. I think some of those toys, when the kids get really into them, can probably do things to their parents' or caretakers' minds. But this is, okay, so I was thinking of an analogy. Tell me what you think of this. Plastic, in a way, is a lot like advertising. You are almost certain to be unaware of how much of it surrounds you, how much you touch on a daily basis, how much you just see passing by, how much you encounter. And if you want to be incredibly depressed or profoundly impressed, or both at the same time, take our old advertising game and apply it to plastic. Wake up, 
start a clock for 24 hours and start trying to count every example of plastic you see. I don't know about you guys. I don't want to speak for everyone, but I am personally so convinced that this is an impossible task that I, I, you have my word, if you can accurately count all the plastic you see over a period of 24 hours, write to us and I will send you a prize. I don't know if it's going to be fancy, but it might because I doubt anyone can actually do this. Will it be made of plastic? <laughs> I was wondering I'm going to win. Too. I'm going to win this. I'm going to uh, go out and I'm going to go camping and I'm going to stay in my tent for 24 hours. And I'm just going to go, <laughs> tent. Way to game the system, man. You're definitely going to get a decoder ring from Ben in the middle. (laughs) (laughs) Decoder ring, yes. Uh, It's, I mean, it is really tough and it has a lot in common with advertising. And there's, you know, to be fair, um, if we look at the pros and cons, plastic has helped people accomplish so many things. It's saved countless lives in the field of medicine. It's helped humans reach space. That would not have happened. Uh, But there's also no question that plastic is universally causing profound harm to just about every thing, human or not, on the planet, except for the bank accounts of several very powerful corporations. They're making out like gangbusters. Places like Sabic, the Saudi Arabia Basic Industries Corporation, money hand over fist, you know. They're the largest single manufacturer of plastic, but most of the other you know, like the Captain Planet villain types are also in on the game. Dow, ExxonMobil, you know, all the hits, all the good ones. Uh, and we know that it's despite the um, statements that you see from international organizations and NGOs and even these companies themselves, we know the pattern is set to accelerate even further. We're looking at a J-curve here. This is exponential growth. Yeah, it is. So if we look at 2016, And we look at the global plastic market size. Okay, so 2016, it was 502 billion US dollars. And then four years later in 2020, it was 579.7 billion dollars. So that's a nice little jump in the billions. But here's the deal. Uh, This global plastic market will likely increase to $750 billion, or a little bit more, actually, by 2028. And that's insane. Yeah. Uh, Eighth largest industry in the U.S., the world's richest country. And every day, around 1 million people in the U.S. alone wake up and they work on plastic. They're not bad people at all. It's their job. In fact, they're some of the smartest people around. Uh, The... This argument about what to do, this dilemma, uh, is often bogged down in politics, ideological tribalism. You know, you might have someone who's more on the conservative side saying like, oh, these, uh, it's an outdated phrase, but like, oh, these tree-hugging hippies are choosing, you know, obscure amphibians over actual human beings who need this job to survive. But that's so misleading. When it comes to plastics, civilization. Us making the show, you listening, everybody is in a crabs in a bucket scenario. I mean, this is the same species that can't stop killing itself over things like religion or resources or inane disagreements over the dumbest things. Like this is a species that has gone to war over one guy's ear. It's a true story. It's called The War of Jenkins' Ear. You can check it out on Ridiculous History wherever you find your favorite podcast. Always be closing. (laughs) (laughs) You get the coffee. uh, You get the coffee. Yeah, but there's no 
there's not really, if you look at it realistically, as, as terrifying as it may be to admit, there's no plausible chance of this species cooperating long enough to right the ship of humanity before it sinks irrevocably into the deep waters of extinction. But what if, what if somehow people did manage to walk back from the precipice? What would the world actually look like without plastic? We're going to pause for a word from our sponsors. Uh, Maybe we can come back and, and count some of the plastic stuff we found, but we'll see when we return. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real, live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. Oh, my friends love it. I love that it's kids-safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! (laughs) Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from craftsy and anytime is right to listen to iheart radio's iheart country radio discover more shows and movies for free hey guys it's steve cavino from cavino and rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your toyota dealer making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new toyota truck like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with the new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck... You buy Toyota Dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know. Taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. 
where it gets crazy. All right, did you guys count any plastic things? <laughs> I mean, I, I haven't stopped counting. I've been counting ever since we started. Yeah, it's I'm freaky. I'm hundred easily, just like in my purview, just on my desk. Just not even moving, rolling the chair anywhere. Mm-hmm. Nope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, uh, guys, before we get back into this, I just want to make a, a point here, I guess, that maybe we haven't hit enough in this episode yet. And it just, it, it reminded me when we mentioned Saudi Arabia Basic Industries Corporation, just that the plastics industry is inextricably connected to the petroleum industry, to gasoline, and just how, you know, where we find ourselves with plastic use, we also find ourselves with oil usage and like what those, those are the effects that both of these industries are having, or maybe this one industry is having. Uh, on the planet and on the human species. Just want to like make sure that's in the back of our minds as we're going throughout the rest of this episode. Yeah. Well said. And it'll be in, uh, <laughs> it'll be on the front of your mind at the end of this episode for sure. Yeah, they are. They are fingers on a hand. Um, and with the question we left at the break, uh, what would happen if the world, what would the world actually look like without plastic? Well, you know, put it bluntly, Let's just rip off the Band-Aid, also with plastic. Things would suck. They would suck so bad and so hard, and they would suck for a long, long time. It would be shitty. There's no way around it. A hard cutoff on plastic use. First, it would cripple industries and economies alike. The Great Depression would be nothing compared to this. Innovation in countless areas of research would grind to a halt. And there's honestly a good chance a lot of that innovation would not pick up again for decades or maybe even centuries. That's the level of impact we're talking. Think about how much it would affect the price of things. You know, plastic is used as a cheap alternative to maybe more durable, long-lasting materials or heavier materials. Like all of the side panels, you know, and um, dashboards and things in like, you know, affordable mid-level cars are all made of plastic. Everything's housed in plastic. It's not until you start getting up into the like super bespoke kind of higher-end cars that things start to be made out of wood or metal. You know, um, it would just it would like make so many things not affordable for so many people instantly. Oh, yeah. Worse than um, we might assume. This is one of those things where uh, the stuff we're going to say might be might sound alarming. But unfortunately, the odds are we will be vindicated to any non-believers sooner than we'd like. Like, like, think about this. So it's difficult historically to pinpoint the exact moment when a monumental global change occurs. Uh, So for some folks, the way forward is grassroots. It's kind of a each one teach one approach. If you're familiar with the saying, there are a lot of people in my mind, noble people who have either minimized their use of plastic or cut it from their lives almost entirely. That is definitely a Herculean effort, But it also, at the same time, points out one of the biggest problems with addressing this global plastic addiction, class. You don't hear about it a lot on the local news programs because, um, as fringe as it may sound for me to point this out, there are some things that, you know, mainstream news media is, is totally fine not mentioning in these conversations. And class is one of those. It's one of the number one complicating factors in a war on plastic. Any attempt to argue otherwise is either incorrect or it is purposely misleading. Like imagine, it reminds me of the, the um, like take the situation of the BRIC countries, right? 
the uh, Brazil's, Russia's, India's, China's, they're as emergent superpowers in the case of China for like a century. China, like any other place on the planet, suffered long-term consequences of plastic pollution from other countries. And it was a side effect of enormous economic booms for these countries. So if you look at it in very simple and real terms, China was paying the price for this progress and receiving no benefits from it. There's a similar argument with um, what you could call the climate change conundrum, just because alliteration is dope. And, you know, countries like China definitely have a valid argument when they point out that industrialized nations reaped the benefits from things like coal. Um, So why shouldn't they be able to do the same? Uh, It's not fair. And then I would tend to agree with that on paper, Um, at least from their perspective, you know, but it's also it's sort of a do as I say, not as I do approach. And I think that always kind of, you know, leaves a bad taste in countries' mouths. Uh, so, you know, China's argument is they should have access to the same strategy. Also, putting politics aside, uh, just objectively, this approach restricts their access to further economic success. Um it's not even to say they don't care about pollution or they're completely callous about these things. It's just kind of like a, you know, well, you, you, you know, other countries uh, have laid the groundwork to where we are now. And if you'd have been a little more responsible about it, then maybe we wouldn't be in this position or something like that. Yeah. It's like, um, let's freestyle uh, an imperfect analogy. Okay. Let's say, let's say there's like a marathon and the people who ran the race and got first place, uh, didn't actually run. They had a car and they drove to the finish line. And they said, we won. And uh, you're like, well, we want to also be winners. And they say, okay, but you can't drive a car. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and, uh, and, and, but if you get a better time than us, we'll say you won. It's just, we used a car. That's like, that argument is valid from their perspective. It's important to think about that. And then if you take it back to the individual, to like microscopic or (laughs) microplastic level, uh, being able to live a life like this without interacting with plastic requires a certain amount of privilege and individual agency. It's sort of like when people say like, hey, why, um, why do actors in blockbuster action movies look so in shape? They have a team of people who help mold them into that. Personal trainers, dietitians, uh, probably therapists, hopefully therapists as well. Uh, and it's like how eating healthy requires privilege in terms of money or time. You have to be able to pay someone for that stuff. You have to pay a premium for healthy food, or you have to have the time to figure out and how to prepare it yourself and do it consistently. So there is there is privilege on every single level that impacts this conversation. But if we try to stick to optimism as best we can, just as a thought experiment, let's give it a go. Let's say there's some unprecedented miracle, which is also simultaneously a disaster. Literally everybody, same day, same hour, said we're gonna, um, we're at least gonna just stop making plastic. Okay, uh, let's assume civilization doesn't collapse. What would happen? First, the environment would love us. You know, the Smokey, the Bears, the Ranger Ricks, the um. I think in the UK, it's a frog, not Smokey the Bear. But all the animals that you can think of, uh, their lives would get better. Uh, Life for oil companies would go down the tube. It'd be terrible because, as we pointed out, plastic is a petroleum product. In fact, big oil, if you want to just 
use that name to group all these producers together. Uh, they're well aware of the push for alternative power for vehicles. You know, they knew that Ford was making an electric F-150 way before the public. And, you know, they, they know all this stuff. They hang out with each other. So their idea is that plastic will become, plastic use will accelerate such that that replaces the money they see themselves losing with straight up oil and gas. <clears throat> but... It's likely that these corporations, if this thing happened, they would use their political influence to kind of phase in a manufacturing ban until they could find a new replacement or a series of alternatives that could be made around the same cost. That's the big important thing for them. And without an alternative in place, losing plastic is an existential threat to these companies. There's a great article that came out um, last year on Vox called Big Oil's Hopes are Pinned on Plastics. It won't end well. Hats off to you, David Roberts, the author of that article, uh, because, you know, he, he calls him out. Uh, and uh, I do recommend reading it. So, so that would happen. And second, if you're listening to this show today, there's a, a, a disturbingly high chance you would lose your job, even if you have nothing to do with the plastics industry. So even like in in the best case scenario that, you know, the world slowly weans itself off of petroleum products as a fuel, this is always going to be their fallback, or at least that's the way the business model is set up, right? Yes. Yeah, that's the, that's the idea. The idea is that you can, as the profits of oil for gas and fuel diminish, then the profits for using that same petroleum to create plastic rises. And the numbers are there. It's not a bad bet for them to make from their perspective. It's bad for the planet. It's, it's like bad for you if you're hearing this. And this, maybe this is a silly question, but I mean, you know, petroleum is not a uh, completely, you know, endless resource. I mean, it is not considered or it's a, it's a non-renewable resource. You can tap out an oil well. I mean, you just keep looking for it elsewhere, but there is going to come a day we're not going to be able to get it out of the ground anymore, right? Especially if we keep, you know, pulling it out willy-nilly the way we are. Mm -hmm. That's why stuff like uh, messing with shale and fracking enjoyed um, a renaissance of sorts because the cost of oil hit a threshold where it was profitable to try to pull it out of the ground that way. And that's uh, what it all goes down to, as, as silly as it sounds. It, it goes down to money. So, yeah, massive rise in unemployment. Unfortunately a given. Because the, the, these folks who would lose their jobs don't have to be working in the plastics industry. They have to be working on something that needs pl plastics somewhere at any point in their job. So for a lot of people, that's going to be bad news. Third, there would be this huge waste management program, be on a scale of something that has never existed before. Stay in your lane, Pyramids of Giza. There's a new impressive human initiative in town um, because make, managing to stop making new plastic is not enough. It's the plastic that's already here that is killing people. Recycling would have to skyrocket. The, oh, I, I was thinking about this when I realized I need to clean my room. Imagine having to clean all the world's oceans and the glaciers and Mount Everest. Oh, and under the South Pole because that plastic's there too. You would like, there's not a way to clean it all. Um, and then fourth, and this is something that you don't see talked a lot about on the environmental side, 
unfortunately. Like the people are very pro plastic free lifestyles, which again, I applaud. Uh, they don't, they tend not to point out that the fourth uh, immediate consequence is that a lot of people will die and they will die as a direct result of living in a world without plastic, primarily due to plastics prevalence in medical equipment. Very basic stuff. You know what I mean? Forget CAT scans. We're talking about syringes, gloves, stuff like that. Plastic is very sterile. And this means that these things, some of which have to be single use, like syringes and so on, they would become the rarest of Pokemon. They would be much more difficult to find them in the beginning, and it'd be much more expensive to use them or to buy them if you could find them. Imagine a world in which basic medical supplies become like a PS5 in terms of what a hassle it is to find them. And that I mean, means that, again... That. Yeah, class is one of the chief determining factors now of who gets to live and who has to go. People won't just die because of medical resources. They'll die due to medical problems caused by the plastic that is already here. It accumulated so quickly. We had that Fantasia, Mickey Mouse, Sorcerer's Apprentice moment. Uh, humanity does not fully understand the long-term effects of things that, um, you know, Matt, you used to point this out all the time, like BPAs. Right. And what, what are their effects on people or the plastics that are in food that when heated emit these uh, various harmful substances. Um, and I, it goes on. It's just important to know it's not all good stuff. Prices for things will explode. You know what? I mean? They're not. Oh, literally, you will point to any almost any consumer product and say they don't make them like they used to because they can't. So like in the pandemic, if you were someone who had to buy a car, you probably saw that used car prices spiked tremendously. Um, that's still happening. That's part of the supply chain. But in this case, that'll apply to everything. Shoes, baby toys, makeup, um, feminine hygiene products, boats, planes, dirigibles, you name it. I don't know why we had to throw dirigibles in there, but, you know, just to give you a sense of the scope. Um, and for someone, for people like us who make a living online, we would be in a really bad spot. In many ways, the world would revolve back into life as it was in the 1870s. Electronics are going to be a real pickle because plastic is great for this stuff. You know what I mean? It's like you said, it's ductile. It's easily molded. You can do, you can make really precise stuff with it. And it's also non-conductive. Well, for all the reasons we've just laid out here, it makes a reasonable person imagine, I would argue, well, what if we kept plastic manufacturing for things like cars, for medical use, for, you know, the most important things, the technologies um, and the big heavy expensive things that don't get replaced all the time what if we just start removing from the system anything that's a single use plastic item or a packaging or you know the stuff that just gets thrown away and becomes trash almost immediately what if we just get rid of that we keep the other stuff would we would we be okay but doesn't that include the medical stuff that we talked about that's so important i mean well, all that stuff comes in plastic containers like pre you know with the the you know like a single use syringe comes in a little plastic thing that you rip off the top and then throw that away well yeah so that's that was an innovation to protect humans from possibly hurt, you know hurting themselves by causing infections right because if you imagine 
back in the day, the syringe was a piece of metal and glass, right? right? That, that was reused over and over and over again. And if, if you imagine somehow going back to that system where there's just an emphasis on uh, cleaning the tools thoroughly between every usage, maybe there's a future for that kind of stuff. But there are so many things, pieces of plastic used, as Ben already pointed out, within the medical industry that it would be, I think, impossible to go back, especially given just the more advanced stuff, the, the advanced tools you would have to continue using plastic for them. Totally. I mean, things like catheters, you know, I mean, like so many. And that's the thing, like all of this stuff is required to be able to scale a production, you know, of, of any type. You know what I mean? Like if we were still using glass and metal and ceramic and all that, it's just much more difficult to scale uh, because you can't just poop them out, you know, in a, in a, in a machine. I mean, you can, but it's just a lot more uh, costly and you can't make quite as many of them. Uh, well, and it's cars, not as profitable because you're as, only creating uh, a couple, you know, versus a thousand. Well, for, that's what I think you know. of when I hear the word scale. I usually think of scaling something as just making something, making as many of a profitable thing as you possibly can for as cheap as possible. And that's going to up your, you know, your profits like significantly. Um, and as we know, nobody like there's a line I always think of from Mr. Show uh, where it's somebody like there's a there is these film executives and it's like they've greenlit this movie about coupons and, and it's going to tank. And this is executive says, I swear to God, if I have to go from being super rich to just rich, I'm going to kill myself. That's that's that like kind of, you know, personifies that thinking. You, you can't go backwards. You can't go backwards. Yeah. Like like you're saying, um, Matt, you brought up a wonderful point. People who are on whatever side of this argument usually tend to end up proposing a phased nuance approach. And then that approach typically focuses on disposable or single use plastic. Some countries are doing this through market forces, like in Bangladesh, plastic bags are banned. They got the GTFO order uh, or in places like parts of Europe and places like China, People are charged for disposable bags. In the case of China, that program started in 2008, and it's already reduced the amount of plastic bags in the country by 50%. That's nothing to sneeze at. They do that in California. Yeah, yeah, in California did that as well. Um, it's going state by state in the U.S. But the, the weird thing is that there definitely at some point becomes a conflict of interest for companies. Because think about it. If you're Sabic or a subsidiary thereof, and, and you go from making trillions of plastic bags to making a smaller number of reusable containers, then what, what you're doing is essentially leaving money on the table. Because every customer who would have just kept getting bags, whether they're a business or an individual, now they just buy them once. And they, they, and maybe, maybe they buy, buy them again a few years later as things break down. But that's why people want a nuanced thing. And uh, people and institutions and NGOs are at least signaling the intent to do something. The question is, how sincere are these attempts? And if they are sincere, will they be sufficient? That's where another conspiracy comes into play. So I propose we take a break for a word from our sponsors, uh, and then we'll return to... Crackdown on the genuine conspiracy holding humanity in such a dire strait. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. 
Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids. But I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Hey guys, it's Ray from the Bobby Bone Show here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure ready RAV4. Let's go! Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the hills to the trails all over. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating up to eight passengers. Yeah. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out amazing national sales event deals on RAV4s, Highlanders, and more. Visit buyatoyota.com. That's buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know. Taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Okay, here's the problem. Quiet part out loud. I feel like everybody knows this. The problem is that the people and the organizations with the most power here, the relatively small group of entities that are capable of addressing this problem in a meaningful way, are also the ones making the most money off the system as it is. And to be soup like crystal clear transparent, we're not talking about 
people who are working on oil rigs. And we're not talking about people working in a plastic bag factory or people making plastic cutlery for takeout and picnics. We're talking about the people in the institutions that own those oil rigs, the people in the institutions that own those factories. They spent a great amount of time and money first accurately predicting this problem. They knew about it. And then they spent, they spent some time covering it up or trying to spin it to their advantage. In corporate parlance, the phrase is getting in front of it. That's what they tried to do. They tried to get in front of it. And there's a playbook for these situations. It is common across industries, and it is so simple, and it is so effective. It's just switching out that revenue stream, like R.J. Reynolds. We did recently, a, I think it was Strange News segment, talked about how it was R.J. Reynolds, right, who said they supported the U.K. ban on tobacco? Right. And there was even talk of one of the big tobacco manufacturers uh, limiting their production of combustible cigarettes. And they wouldn't have done that on day one. Heavens, we've discovered that cigarettes are bad for the health of our citizenry. Shut it down, boys. No, they bided their time and downplayed it until they had a viable alternative that they could also make tons of money on aka vaping yes exactly exactly we need to hit that point again they only did this once they knew they could generate income some other way and they did it with a disposable plastic thing that i'm holding in my hand right now that gets used by millions of people probably i don't know the exact numbers of people who use these kinds of disposable vaping things like myself part of the problem here but uh, this We're all is part of the problem, man. I mean, well, but I'm just saying this particular thing, uh, this one, the jewel one, all the others, it's becoming a massive plastics problem. Yeah, and this this uh, strategy, this kind of uh, transference of income strategy, plays out across multiple industries. It's applied to the world of plastics as well. Mark our words. As soon as a one to one, inexpensive alternative to plastic is found. It will probably become proprietary, and whomever is lucky enough to own the the rights to that material will immediately press their advantage. They will end up, in pursuit of profits, maybe swinging the needle to make the world a better place. And it's like desperation makes strange bedfellows, man. Imagine being one of those environmentalists who is like, ah, now I have to go to a rally for Dow Chemical. Yeah, that's the thing, though, because they'll masquerade it out as some, like, you know, grandstanding, like, doing something about it, you know, uh, stance, which is utter horse you know, that we know how long they've known. They don't actually care. But then they'll, like, you know, spend a bunch of time workshopping the language around their big pivot, and then they'll, you know, you know trot it out there as some sort of benevolent act of good. Yeah, and we're not saying... I don't think any of us are saying that um, the people working in these companies or even the people at the top are necessarily evil individuals. And I, I think some of these efforts are in good faith, you know, like um, Matt in the research earlier, you have pointed out Coca-Cola had a plan to recycle a can, an aluminum can for every can they created by 2030. Um, that seems like a good faith effort, but make no mistake there is not a for-profit company in the world that would do something like this if it meant it would damage their profits. You know what I mean? There is always a calculation at play. 
Yeah, I, I think the Coke thing was only like by 2025, they would recycle everything, but then by 2030, they would create all of their products with recycled plastic, which is like, yay, that's a great idea. Sure. And like, didn't Lego say they were going to pivot away from using plastic bags in their packaging? Obviously not, you know, away from using plastic in their Legos. And then McDonald's, I think, is going to start using cardboard as their toys, make them little puzzles or assemblable, you know, doodads rather than plastic, because that's a big drain as well. Um and again, I, I, I'm not saying th- these efforts, I think, are, are cool. And obviously, there's some goodwill behind them. And PR is obviously positive. I'm sure someone in the company does care and, and, and thinks it's a good idea, you know, big picture. But I, I'm just a little jaded. I tend to think these are just kind of like marketing stunts rather than them actually giving a shit. Yeah, unfortunately, that's they're doing what they were designed to do the same way that fish swim. Uh, that's what a, that's why a company or a for-profit corporation exists. But here's the other thing. Uh, if you were to go into the back room of uh, some of these executive uh, offices and you were to say, hey, you know, just between us, what do you think the chances of, of getting off plastic are really? When the, What you would find is that yet because not all plastics are created equally, there are viable alternatives for some. But until that economy of scale kicks in, the price is going to be a big problem for these companies. So the, the secret is the best way to solve this dilemma. The holy grail, if there were a holy grail for this quest, is not to find an alternative for these various kinds of plastic in their end state, but rather to find an alternative to the oil used to create them in the first place. That's that's the spice in this Dune universe. And who knows what it is? You know, knowing the hubris of humanity as we do, um, how messed up would it be if it was water? And they're like, okay, we figured out somehow, there's some sci-fi chemical shenanigans. We figured out a way to make basically anything that you can make with plastic from water. It has to be fresh water, so people might be thirsty. They would 100% do it, though. That's how messed up is that? Okay, so how important is this? Having control over this, whatever this thing, this holy grail would be, would be the equivalent of becoming the first country or company to wield nuclear power. And yeah, that, that might sound a little like hyperbolic, right? But without being alarmist, that is the level of impact we're talking about. And when this thing is discovered, and whatever these things are, the world will again be irrevocably changed. If, that is, the technology goes public and isn't purposely suppressed, shout out to the National Invention Secrecy Act. Check that one out if you want to be a lot of not fun at parties. Uh, That's that's the reality here. Uh, while this bickering, this research continues to play out, the clock is ticking. And if you look past the noise, the theater of domestic politics, those glossy PR presentations and PSAs, the facts are undeniable. If these power systems are not dismantled, if these conspiracies are not busted, then there's a strong possibility that we won't be talking about a world without plastic for long. We'll be talking instead about a world without humans. I don't want to sound preachy, but that's like that's that's where we are at. These companies would have to be incentivized by profit or their hands forced by um, undeniable disaster 
that affects the wealthy as much as it affects the poor. And um, yeah, I just don't, I, I, I don't know where it would, I don't know where it would go. It's quite a pickle. It, it feels like to me, and I am not somebody who knows anything about any of this and can't recommend any of these things, but if you had to increase the price of products overall because of the phasing out of plastics, the only way to really solve that thing without the, the version you're talking about, Ben, where some other alternative that is like at that same price point would be to raise all ships by somehow instituting universal income in some way for every person on the planet to make sure they can afford the absolute necessities. And even then, I mean, there are ways to go about that, but they're not very fun for everyone. <laughs> yeah. uh, and the people who they're not fun for the people who would have the sufficient power to fight back against it. So it really does feel like we're in that dire of a situation at this point. Well, there, there is another possibility, right? While uh, plastics are still around, uh, Elon Musk just came out and suggested to folks who want to go to Mars but can't afford the projected 500K to $1 million price tag for the trip. He said, well, you could just fly to Mars and maybe work it off once you get there. Go to join a company town, Mars, as an indentured servant. Yeah. More, more things change, man. You'll only owe as much as, you know, an above average person makes in their lifetime. It's fine. That's <laughs> fine. Right. Uh, this is so. Will will the world be without plastics? Probably not. Um, and and a lot. And we pointed this out. I'm really glad we pointed this out on our last episode. A ton of time went into trying to convince individual consumers that they were the problem. And we're part of a problem, but the majority of that waste is is not necessarily coming from you. It's like blaming the person who just has a job on an oil rig. You know what I mean? That person is not big oil. They're just doing a job. And so there was one statement we could end on here that comes from Roland Geyer, a professor at the Britain School of Environmental Science and Management at the University of California, Santa Barbara. He's pretty bleak, guys, just to let you know before we hit it. He says, you can't just leave this up to households. They have no chance. Plastic producers should share a significant part of the responsibility. At this point, I don't see that happening without policy intervention. So the politicians have to get involved. The corporations have to say yes. If every person you know uh, did their level best to separate plastic from their lives is a serious question about how much of a difference it would actually make. It's not saying you shouldn't do it. It's just saying that's not going to stop the current operation we're in. Well, yeah, if companies are still producing small disposable plastic things that just sit on shelves at stores, uh, they're going to be thrown away at some point. And the the only thing the only good thing is that if consumers aren't buying those things and they sit on the shelf for long enough, the whatever store that is won't order more, which means there won't be a demand from the company to buy more. So there that is a route. I, I mean, it's not the most viable one necessarily, but it is a route. If you stop the demand, then hopefully they'll stop the supply. Yeah. Well, uh, we want to hear what you think, folks. 
if you, I will be so impressed. I think we will all be so impressed if there is anyone in the audience today who manages to count every piece of plastic in their normal life without cheating. I don't know. No, you know, it's so tough. If you do the Matt Matt's trick and get away with it and go in a tent, bully for you. That's, I think yeah. that's good. But I mean, there's the under the hood stuff. You know what I mean? You're, you know, you're not even going to have a sen- sense of, of how much there is. Like inside my monitor, inside my computer, inside oh, yeah. my guitar amplifier, you know, uh, inside this MIDI controller in front of me. I mean, each, each there's like uh, dozens of buttons on and each one is made of like a polymer rubber type situation. Um, the chassis is steel, but inside, you know, it's going to be just dozens and dozens of plastic parts, but I can't even see. Yeah. And uh, shout out to the scientist who wrote to us after our episode on microplastics. That was a uh, sobering and important information, uh, but the public is not aware of the depth of this problem. Uh, and at this point, um, we don't, civilization doesn't know what a world with without plastic would look like and how we would get there. What are your thoughts? Can you solve this problem? If so, <laughs> we'd love to hear from you. And we want to, we want to elevate your message. If there's somebody listening today is like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I figured it out. I know how to fix it. Then tell us, tell us immediately, tell the world leaders, tell the business leaders. Uh, you can start by uh, talking to us. We try to be easy to find online. That's right. You can find us on the internet in the usual places of note. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube under the handle Conspiracy Stuff or Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram. And while you're on the internet, why not bop on over to your podcatcher of choice and leave us a favorable review, preferably on Apple Podcasts. Uh, It makes us feel good about ourselves, and it also helps people find the show. Yes, and if you're not a fan of social media, give us a call. Our number is 1-833-STDWYTK. You have three minutes to leave a message. Please give yourself a cool nickname and let us know whether or not we can use your message on the air or edited within a podcast. You get it. If you have more to share than can fit in that three minutes, instead, why not send us a good old-fashioned email? We are conspiracy at iheartradio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex-
National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places.